Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Uh, the whole purpose of that video and the whole purpose of this talk, this series on Moses, the servant of God, how God takes, shapes and uses a life for his purpose is to really try and get us into this, this idea that, that, that the way God uses us is, is actually no different to how a potter uses clay. And I don't mean that to offend you if you think, oh, I'm more than that, I'm more than clay. The, the Bible talks about God being the potter and us being the clay, that he takes someone, he shapes them in the way that he would, and then he uses them for his purposes. He, it's not like you and God become mates and you put your arm around him and you say, hey, we've got adventures together, haven't we, in life? No, God takes hold of you, he shapes you, and then he uses you. That's, that's how he does it. And that's how he's always done it. And Moses is a prime example of God uh, doing that. And that's the sort of thing that we've been looking at over these uh, weeks, that, that, that there's a massive difference between you and God and me and God. And and that when God uses us, it, it's because he's like, he's the great God and has the power to do things. And actually, God's purposes will always be fulfilled. Yeah, he's always made promises. He will always fulfill them. And, and sometimes he will use people like us. And he chooses to use people like us. Sometimes we're not obedient, though. That's the, that's the truth of it. Sometimes we're not. Other times we might be more obedient we know with the story of the people of Israel that for some periods of time they were obedient to God and there were other times where they weren't obedient to God. So, so we've been looking that over the last few weeks and we looked at the story of how Moses ha- um, uh, had dreams and ideas and that those dreams got shattered uh, when he, he killed the Egyptian and he runs away and he spends 40 years um, just in the wilderness looking after sheep, wondering what's going on. And then last week we, we came to the point where Moses encountered God at the burning bush. And so often what happens after you've gone through a period where maybe your expectations have been, have been shattered or you've, you've been disappointed in God, that you have an encounter with him like Moses did. And Moses at that encounter gets a call again to go and to, to, to carry out the purposes of God. We know he's very reluctant to do it, but eventually he agrees. <clears throat> and so this, this morning, the talk is called this, From Obedience to Disappointment to Promise. So Moses already had sort of disappointment. You, you can imagine that, that he got used to living in the desert, in the wilderness, and he, he comes out of that to go into the purposes of God again. And you can imagine that this must now be the time that Moses really goes for it. He's, him and God have gone through some things. He's now ready to be used. And off he goes into the purposes of God. So I'm going to be reading from some different uh, passages of Scripture, just really walking through the story um, uh, and, uh, yeah, just bringing out a few points from it. So, so the first is obedience. Exodus chapter 4, verse 18 says this, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, 
please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. So despite the very clear call that he had from God, up to this point Moses was working with, under the authority and covering, if you like, of his father-in-law, Jethro. And so although he's encountered God at the, at the burning bush, he still requests permission from Jethro to go. And that was quite important, really, because it showed that he honoured those who were over him at that time, and it showed that that relationship had been a peaceful and fruitful one, as it would continue to be so. And Jethro sends him with his blessing. Go in peace. Go, go. Go in peace. Moses doesn't go into all the detail, but he doesn't need to. Just simply uh, making that request, that permission, um, was enough. And uh, you'll remember that God said two things to Moses last week. He asked him to go and gather the elders of Israel and to go to Pharaoh. Those were the two things God said to him. And now in uh, Exodus 4, verse 27, it says this. The Lord said to Aaron... Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads, and they worshipped. So God tells Moses to go back, he meets up with Aaron, he's being obedient, Um, he does this, he's well received, which was a surprise to him, he wasn't expecting to be well received. One of his fears was, how would they receive me? The last time I spoke to them, they rejected me. They said, who made you king over us? They rejected me. How would they receive me? When actually, here, they receive him well. Aaron comes in and, and, uh, and speaks on his behalf, and they receive Moses well, and what do they do? Because the people had been oppressed for so many years, when Moses comes back and they realise God hasn't forgotten us, they worshipped. They worshipped. See, worship is one of the ways to respond to what God has done in your life. When you realise God hasn't forgotten me, worship. Worship him. Come to him. For Moses, this must have been massive because it was one of his biggest fears. He had been accepted by the people. They see me, I'm the deliverer. And you can imagine the people going around at the end of the meeting and just chatting to him, saying, we're so glad you're back. We're so glad you're back. We really believe that God's with you. All those kinds of things that we might say to someone we thought was going to do that for us. So Moses is being obedient. And, and the next sign of his obedience, he spoke to Jethro, he leaves the wilderness, he comes back, he meets Aaron, he meets the elders. What's the next thing Moses needs to do? He needs to confront Pharaoh. That's what God had told him to do. So Moses then goes to Pharaoh. I don't know how he gets the audience so quickly, but he does. Uh, he goes to Pharaoh 
and this is what it says in chapter 5 at the beginning. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to their burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people um, straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they, are, uh, that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let's go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labour at it and pay no regard to lying words. So Moses, remember, he's on a little bit of a roll here. He's obeying God. He comes to Pharaoh. He confronts Pharaoh, no doubt, in his deepest voice, let my people go. You'd have seen the films about that. Um, and Pharaoh's like, who's the Lord? What is that to me? So for Moses, this was a big moment. For Pharaoh, it meant nothing. Moses had been at the bush. He had seen the Lord. Pharaoh saw two old men come in saying, let my people go. It made no sense to him. Well, who's the Lord? Why should I let them go? You guys are just stirring up trouble with the people. Now, I don't know how Moses would have responded because he certainly wouldn't have expected that because God had said to him, go to Pharaoh. So all he's doing is being obedient. Moses is being obedient. But Pharaoh is not responding how you might imagine. Now, God had also said to him, Pharaoh will not let you go easily and he will not let you go until my mighty hand compels him to do so. But that wouldn't have helped Moses because at this point Moses is like, I've obeyed you, I've gone back to Egypt, I've spoken to the people, they're all with me, I've gone to Pharaoh, I've confronted him and he's not doing it. Not only is he not doing it, he is about to make things worse for me. You can imagine Moses coming out of that meeting thinking, this does not look good for me. He is about to put more <laughs> burdens on to the people. I don't know how you feel when you have been obedient to God. You felt that you've, you've heard from God and you've acted in a way where you've been submitted and you've been obedient and the very thing that you've done to be obedient seems to turn out worse than what you thought it would do or should do. So then Moses has this moment of disappointment. So he has obedience, but then he comes to this moment of disappointment. You see, the people 
having been told that their burdens are going to increase, that they, they don't even talk to Moses about it. They go straight to Pharaoh and they try and negotiate. Come, come on, Pharaoh, what's the problem here? Pharaoh goes, you're lazy, you are. Get back to your work. He increases their burdens. And they come out of their meeting with Pharaoh and this is what they say to Moses. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to him, the Lord look on you and judge you. The Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They were angry. They were hurt. They were probably frustrated after years of of working in slavery. Moses comes back and for for a few short days it seems like it's going to go well and then this turns on them. So they're angry with him. The Lord look on you and judge you. How would Moses have felt? What What would have gone on in his heart at that moment? He'd gone from being the deliverer the day hadn't even passed and now he's the enemy again. The very thing that he had come to help the people with hasn't happened. Do you know what? It's really important to know when you're going to do the work of God, whatever that might be, whether that's in some sort of full-time capacity or whether you're going to do the work of God in your, in your work situation, you must know that you're called. Because if you're not called, this situation becomes very difficult to handle. Very difficult. So Moses goes to the one place. He's only got one place to go. He's, he's not negotiated this call with anyone else but, from, but apart from God. So it says, Moses turns to the Lord and he said, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you've not delivered the people at all. You can imagine, or I'm imagining, Moses having that encounter with the people, finding his room, wherever that was, and through the tears, saying to God, why, why, I don't understand. Why have you done evil to them? Why did you send me, O God? You said to, I should come and to speak to Pharaoh in your name. I've done that and all he's done is more evil. You've not delivered them. You've not delivered them. I don't know whether you've ever had that kind of disappointment where God has spoken to you, you've acted on what he said and the very opposite has happened. You thought this was going to lead to good stuff. You thought it was going to lead to openings. You thought it was going to lead to a little bit of affirmation, all that kind of stuff. But in the end, it just leads to people going, oh, look, let the Lord judge you. You're like, oh. It's like a kick in the place it hurts. <laughs> it's like he's, how, God, that doesn't make any sense. And Moses, in between his tears, is saying, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you've called me to this, only for me to be made to look so foolish in front of the people. Things are worse for them, not better. 
I thought I was the deliverer. I thought the very least it would be I would negotiate with Pharaoh and we would come to some sort of compromise and that kind of thing. But what's happened is it's got worse for them, not better. You see, you need to know that you're called because if you're not actually called by God, you won't go to God when that happens. You will go to wherever you think you're going to get your help. If it wasn't God that called you, you won't go to God. You will go to something else. If your discouragement and disappointment, Moses had nowhere else to go. There was no point in sitting down with a cup of tea with Aaron and talking about, my goodness me, look what's just happened there. What's, what's gone on with the people? No, there was no point in doing that. He knew it was God that called him. Therefore, it's to God he goes. Know when God has called you. So it's to God you go. Because God gives you the grace to cope with the difficulties, the challenges. Through the tears of discouragement and disappointment, Moses cries out to God. And I'll encourage you, through your difficulties and your discouragements, cry out to God. Don't look to your mates. Don't look to the church in that sense. Don't look to some kind of help here. Cry out to God. Because that's where the answer is. That's where, that's where the support truly comes. You need to know him. If you're going to serve him, and in a world like we live today, where, where staying close to God is, is a tough thing, because there's so many things that are going on, so many, so many opportunities for you to go, oh, I'm not sure if I really believe. There's so many different things to believe. Where we make certain values and principles more important than our relationship with God. God is the most important thing. <laughs> yeah? In your life, if you be Christian, God is the most important thing. And you must understand that the gospel was not just a moment in history that happened or a moment once upon a time that you discovered Jesus for yourself. It's the ongoing work of God in your life. That's the gospel. It is to bring you into a relationship with the living God where you know he is real. Because if you don't know he's real, you'll give up on him. If you don't have that thing deep in your heart that says God is real and he's with me. If you don't have that, you'll give up on him. You might still do some things, habitual things, go to church and all that, and you might still go to a certain kind of church, but you need to know him to be real in your own heart and life. Because when Moses was disappointed, he went to God. Where do you go when you're disappointed? Where do I go when I'm disappointed? When I have been discouraged? And it's very hard if that disappointment and that discouragement has come out of your attempts to be obedient. That's even harder. I mean, if you, would, if you like left God and you did your own thing and then you got disappointed, you might go, well, I could sort of understand that. But God, I was doing your thing. And your thing led to disappointment. It led to discouragement. The very thing that you asked me to do, 
I did. It wasn't like I did something else. It wasn't like Moses was disobedient and therefore he's being punished for disobedience. He's not being punished for disobedience at all. He's being obedient. But even in the midst of your obedience, even when God's presence is with you, sometimes it gets difficult. So Moses was obedient. He then goes through this moment of disappointment. But then comes the promise. And and it's wonderful that the Bible is so full of promises and it's so full of hope. The Bible is a book of hope. If people truly understood, they'd understand God is a God of hope. He is not a a judging God who sits in heaven. He doesn't play games with you. You know when we heard earlier, if if you ask your father for a a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. God is not a mocker. If you ask God for, a good, for like bread, he's not going to play around and give you something else. I don't know what your dad was like, but you know sometimes your dad can be a joker, yeah? And you can ask for something and you get the opposite of what you are, and you think, come on, dad, yeah? Now, I don't know whether I'm seen as a joker, but every time my girls ask me something, I don't always give them what they're asking for. But but your father doesn't deliberately mock you like that, or he shouldn't do. And certainly your father in heaven isn't a mocker. He's not a joker. If you you come and ask him for stuff, he will give you what you ask. You have to believe that. So then there comes this promise. So, So having gone through that real disappointment, I just picture him on his knees, the tears coming down his face, and he's like, I don't know what to do now, God. God comes with a promise. And at the beginning of chapter 6, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And then in verse 6, he comes up with six, and he comes up with seven I wills. This is what God says to Moses. He actually says, I want you to tell this to the people. This is what I want you to tell to the people. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for, your, for a possession. I am the Lord. God reminds Moses. Why? Because even God realised, oh, Moses just needs some encouragement right now. Moses just needs to know that I'm with him. He needs to be reminded and he needs to remind the people. So he gives them these seven things. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham. I will give it to you for 
a possession. It's really interesting. We need to understand the story of the Exodus. The Exodus is not simply a story about an oppressed people who come out of slavery through the hand of of a deliverer like Moses. That is not primarily what it's about. And theologically, we get it wrong when we think this is all about oppression and oppressed and slavery and freedom. It's not about that. This is about God reaching out to his people. This is God coming to his people. This is the Father coming to the Son. It, it, it says, it, it says in, uh, later in that passage in, uh, in Exodus 4, it talks about Israel, my firstborn son. God is not doing something. It's not a principle that God is applying here of, oh, they are the oppressed. I will attack the oppressor and that's how I do it. Everywhere it is, there are oppressed people. I will come. No, God is coming to his people. They are the people of God. When he says those seven things, he is not talking about principles. He's talking about a love for his people. I will deliver you from slavery to them. That is not about slavery. That's about God delivering his people. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give. God already had a people. And that people, it mattered. It doesn't sound right to us. Theologically, it doesn't sound correct to us that God who created all things in heaven and earth would have a people. But he does. I don't mean to be funny, but God doesn't love everyone the same. He has a people and he came to Israel because they were his people. They were not the only people to experience slavery. But they were the people that he had chosen. Now he has to remind them, I didn't choose you because you were special or because you were particularly great or because you were particularly um, sort of choose-worthy. There wasn't anything about you that made me choose you. He has to remind them of that, lest they get a little bit big-headed that the God of heaven would choose them. But in the same way we sang this morning, grace, it's not earned. It's not deserved. If you're a Christian this morning, it's not because you were particularly special. I don't mean to offend you. It's not because you were particularly great or because you even you were born in a particular place. It's the grace of God to you. I don't stand here because of cleverness. It's the grace of God to you. God comes in. He says, I will give it to you for a possession. God made this decision. I'm going to have this people. And God's still making that decision, isn't he? Those who respond to him by faith will be his. If you come by faith, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's available to any who would believe. Even that very well-known verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. What does it say? Whosoever believes. Belief is not about a particular kind of background or a particular kind of way of living. Whosoever would believe. Anyone who would believe and accept this can have that relationship with God. So God reminds them of these I wills. I'll bring, I'll deliver, I'll redeem, I'll take, I'll be your God. I will bring you into the land. Moses needed reminding. 
and sometimes we need reminding. Because we can be obedient to God, and many of you here are obedient. You're, you're trying to do the God thing. You're trying to follow. But sometimes your obedience leads to disappointment. Sometimes your obedience, and, and that's really hard to understand. God, I don't understand why obedience can so often seem to lead to disappointment. Why doesn't it lead to blessing? Doesn't that make more sense? Yeah, I'm obedient, I'm blessed. Yeah? Do you know what ultimately it does lead to blessing? I can say that even from our own experience, Paulie and I, our own experience would be that, that, that obedience often leads to disappointment, but ultimately it leads to blessing. That would be our testimony. That in the end, God will bless you. And I don't mean, oh, you mean like when I die? No, he'll bless you in this life. I'm sure you'll be blessed when you die. But even in this life, you will be able to look back and go, God has blessed me. Yeah? Because there were moments in our life, as, as sort of in the early days of our marriage, where, where, where we could not have used that testimony. Because the moment wasn't a moment of blessing. And we were trying to be obedient. We were not trying to be funny. We weren't trying to be disobedient. We weren't trying to be rebellious. We were trying to be obedient. But there were moments where we had to look and go, gosh, I don't, don't get it. So there is a link between obedience and blessing, but it's often not as close as you think. Sometimes there's a gap. F.B. Mayer, in his book on Moses, says, out of the whole story, there comes to us this lesson. We must never suppose that the difficulties which confront us indicate we are not on God's path and doing his work. Indeed, the contrary is generally the case. Out of the whole story, and he's talking about Moses, he's talking about this particular part of the story, there comes to us this lesson. We must never suppose that the difficulties which confront us indicate we are not on God's path and doing his work. Indeed, the contrary is generally the case. In other words, don't judge your situation. Don't judge whether God's with you or not with you by whether things are going well or not well. Don't make those superficial kind of judgments because you can get that very wrong. And you can act in a way that you think, well, it's not going well, so I need to change things. And actually, in changing things, you can move yourself out of the very thing that God's doing for you. Do you remember God's words to Moses about how will you measure, if you like, success? How will you know it was me? God said to Moses, you'll know it's me because when you bring them out, you'll bring them back to this very same mountain that we've been on. Where I've encountered you, you will bring them to this mountain and that will be the sign to you that I was with you. Now Moses could have said, but what about all that stuff in between? How am I going to know? But God was like, that will be the sign to you when you bring them out. God doesn't always measure success in the way that we do.
just to quickly summarise. Phil, can we sing a song? I just felt it was really important for us to get this one point. I think it's one point. That sometimes your obedience might lead to a time of disappointment or discouragement. Sometimes obedience does that. It's not always battles that do that, and it's not always disobedience. Sometimes obedience leads you to a point where you're disappointed, just like Moses was disappointed. And it was almost like the people had to realise, oh, the person we're trusting here is not Moses. It's God. And Moses had to realise, as the people were patting him on the back when he met the elders and they're saying, oh, we're so glad you're back. He had to realise, it's not me. It's God. Which is the whole point of our series, that most God takes a life and he shapes it and he uses it. It's all God. It's not about Moses' personality. It's not about his gifting. It's about his obedience, his willingness to put himself in a place where God would use him. And God wants to use you and God wants to use me. Okay, we might not need exoduses, yeah? You might never stand before a king and say, let my people go, yeah? Unless you take part in the Prince of Egypt in some way. <laughs> and that would be fun, actually. You may not do that, and I certainly don't think I'll be doing that. However, God still can take you and he can shape you and he can use you, and it's what he desires to do. But don't let your personality get in the way. Don't let even your gifts get in the way. Don't even let your own passions get in the way. Because all of those things might be good, but all of those things could get in the way. To God just say, no, no, just come. Just come. I will shape you, and I will use you for my purposes. What I need you to do is to be obedient. It's to be obedient. Let's pray and then we'll sing uh, this song. And uh, if, you want, if you want prayer, if you want further prayer, feel free to come forward as we're singing. Uh, otherwise, you can just respond to God in your, own, in your own heart. So let's pray. Why don't we stand as I, I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for examples like Moses of uh, one who was obedient even though it led to disappointment uh, God it also led to that promise that wonderful promise of those seven I will seven things you said you would do and Father I pray for every person here that you remind us of the promise Lord for each one of us there's probably been a moment in our past where there was a promise that you said, that you said stuff to us. And Father, I pray you'd remind us of that again today and that we would just hold on to that just as Moses was asked to hold on to the promises of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
To say to him, God, I've, I've sought to be obedient. And you know where you've done that. You know where actually you've tried to be obedient to God. And it's led to disappointment and discouragement. And at that point, sometimes we can get stuck. And we don't know, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to get out of that. Because just even theologically, we can't get around that one. I've tried to be obedient and it's led to disappointment. Um, not led to blessing. And uh, what I'm trying to say this morning is that often your, your obedience will eventually lead to blessing because there is a promise. There is a promise. 
And you need to remind yourself this morning of the promise. Remind yourself of the promise. Put aside your, the obedience thing. Remind yourself of the promise. That's where God went with Moses. Moses was obedient. He got disappointed. God reminded him of the promise. And this morning, God wants to remind some of you of promises he's made. Promises you've carried in your heart. That you almost need to just admit to him, it's still there, God. That promise, I, okay, it's been years, but it's still there. It's still there. And you just need to remind him of it this morning. Because it just might take longer to get there than you think. And it's often longer than we all think. And that we, we can't explain. God's ways aren't our ways. God's working in you. He wants you to be like the clay and the potter. Just ready to be used. He'll take you. He'll shape you. And he'll use you. For his purposes. Not yours. So Father, I, I thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for the way you spoke through our worship. And Lord, I pray that this word on Moses will bring encouragement to the heart of those who have been discouraged. And it will bring hope to the heart of those who look to the promise that you've made. And Father, I pray this week as we go about our business, whether we're at work or we're at play, whether we're at home or, or we're with friends or wherever we might find ourselves this week, that we will remind ourselves of the promises that you've made. And Lord, the basic fact, you're with us. It's wonderful. You're with us. So I pray, Father, that you'll go with us this morning. I pray your blessing upon every life. I pray that seeds will be planted and watered this week in the hearts of many of your saints here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. free to take a seat. Don't forget the acoustic nights on Tuesday. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.